With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert. Your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one. We're live. Welcome to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. It's August 24th, 2014, and I'm joined here at the control board with my co-host and brother in the martial arts, Sifu Robert Deal. Sifu Bob, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You know, I had some trouble today. What's that? My, my uh, tablet was giving me fits today online, and I guess they do that. And I really didn't know what to do. You what was, what was going on? Yeah, what was it going was on, like though? Blinking. It was like fading in and out. It was stopping. It was going right all of a sudden and then fading back in. And then my touch was fading. Oh. You know what? You know what? When when my when my tablet or my computer does crap like that, I usually oh. my go-to thing is to is to clean out the cache. You know, once you do that. Um, and if you put on like some type of a, uh, like a system cleaner and stuff like that, then you're usually okay. But I usually clean out the cache cause it like keeps stuff, you know, in there and it just keeps building up. And if you clean out the cache, you should be okay. You know, I thought about doing that, but I really couldn't do that because I figured I couldn't clean out my cache because that's my wife and my daughter's job. Clean out my cache. <laughs> Oh my god, dude! That took me a second. I'm like, what? And <laughs> <laughs> uh, then something else, something else oh. happened yesterday. Then my wife does this all the time, and it bugs the hell out of me. She said, <laughs> and this was yesterday morning, early, like ten o'clock. She's at work. I saw her work, uh-huh. and then she says to me, she says, "Oh man, you should have, you should have heard the the uh, discussion that I had with, with our landlord last night." But, you know, I'm really busy. I can't tell you right now. I'll tell you tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How irritating is that? Yeah. What it's, the it's, hell? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. Because it's like, you know, there's no suspense at all. Yeah, I'm it's just, like <laughs> either tell me now or don't tell me you've got something to tell me until you tell me. Right? <laughs> And then this week, I've, got, I've actually got people at work looking up our show, finding out that, that we've got this show on. And I and I said to them, I said, be careful on, on saying stuff to me because if you say enough stuff to me and if it gets funny, it will end up on that show. Now, All I right. had one instance that I told about last week that you weren't around to hear. This, and, and sometimes, and I told uh, Michelle, our guest calls last week, 
that mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like I'm a third grade English teacher because there's only five out of 12 of us that were, only, that were actually born in this country, the, the people I work with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes I get asked simple words, like the other day I was asked to spell verify. Okay. Simple words, they don't quite have the grasp of the English language. Well, I was asked last week, before last week's show, to spell the word ones. And, ones? and she said, what, yeah, ones with an S. She said, how okay. do you spell that? O-N-S-E? And I said, no, it's O-N-E-S or apostrophe S, depending on how it's used. How do you mm-hmm. use it? And she said, you know, like old ones, and put her hand on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why the hell would you do that? <laughs> and guess where it ended up? It ended up on the show. <laughs> like old ones. <laughs> and now it wouldn't have mattered. I don't think I would have connected it if she hadn't put her hand on my shoulder at the same time. Sorry. I... <sighs> oh. So I'm getting really excited now. I saw Michael Matsuda at the music at the uh, Marshall Arts Museum today. You're going to yeah. be down here in, in another two weeks. Yep. Uh, actually, you're going. <laughs> Two weeks from right now, you're going to be back on your way home. You're going to be on plane. Uh, right. We, we've got another fun-filled weekend planned. We've got we're going to visit the Ronald Reagan Library on Saturday, the mm-hmm. Honor Awards on the sixth uh, mm-hmm. that night, and then that we're going night. to go to Universal Studios on Sunday. Yay! Which that'll be really cool. I I keep your your I keep you just moving when you're down here. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I figure you know I don't know when I don't know the next time I'm going to be in there. I mean, most likely it's going to be like the next time Masters Hall of Fame happens. And, <laughs> and you know, exactly. And, yeah, and it might be a little well, bit um, delayed next year if it if it happens. Yeah, you know. I mean, it, it may be. It may be. And think about the stuff you've done. Uh, you know, the L.A. Zoo, the Gene Alfred Heritage Museum, uh, mm-hmm. Hollywood Home Tour, uh, all four museums down in Hollywood, Chinatown last time. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to somebody because I, I, you know, I didn't know if I really wanted to hang out with them or not at the Honor Award because they, they were at the Madison Hall of Fame and God, I hope they're not listening. Uh, <laughs> but she's talking to me and she says, well, what, what's happening after the honor work is after the Masters, we have an after party at the bar where we hmm. can get together and talk for a while. Right. And I said, you know, Rusty and I aren't, aren't maybe sticking around all that long because we've got things to do the next day. And then she asked me, who's Rusty? And I have explained to her your, your nickname. Mm-hmm. And she said, my God, you guys are like Batman and Robin. I said, oh, uh- my God, we've, <laughs> we've been accused of being married. There was, <laughs> then that girl at Johnny Rock, and this was funny, actually. I know, uh, right. Tell them the story. The girl Tell at Johnny Rockets said, you know, you're sitting on one side, I'm sitting on the other, and they want to take our picture. She comes up to us, and she says, are you guys a couple? Now, in my mind, I'm thinking a couple of what? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, we say, hell no. Right. Right. And I guess we said it so pungently. She looks at us and she says, are you guys friends? <laughs> <laughs> at least. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> so now we went. Now, people don't understand, though, since I've met you, we've only seen each other, like, I think I counted seven times total since 2011. Right. Yep. Yep. And person, we've been yeah. uh, we've been married. We've been <laughs> we've been now we now we're climbing. Yeah. Ball. What else? Yeah. Now we're Batman and Robin, the dynamic duo of the dynamic dojo. I kind of like the ring of that. I, I do too. <laughs> I think we actually tried that when we when we started the show two years ago. Yeah, the dynamic day, and I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, and then we sort of let it go. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to use it as a tagline. But but we're your dynamic dojo or dynamic dojo duo listeners. Say that ten times fast. I dare ya. All right. So anyway, let's let's talk a little bit of only about the real briefly about the uh, honor award. We're yeah. going to see good friends again: William Cruz before Michael Matsuda, uh, Chris Kadamian, and his wife Lori. Both have been actually everybody I've named almost have been guests on our show. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. and Lori, which I taught for last Saturday. Uh, stick class at Christmas school is looking forward to finally meeting you. Uh, we've got Lisa King, Angie Abad, uh, Robert Parham, uh, Dan Heck's going to try to make it. Now, this is going to be a small, I can't say intimate gathering, but it's going to be smaller than the Masters. This Masters is about 460. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael is limiting this to 180, and he's at about 170 now. Oh, cool. So it's almost sold out, and I'm glad of that because that thing will hold about 240 people, so he's so he's like cutting it off 60, 60 people early. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a well, real smart. nice gathering. Yeah, it is. It yeah, is. yeah. That way there'll be an, enough room for people to literally like stretch out a little bit rather than being like so close. You know, like the tables being like all jammed together and stuff like that. And it'll be really fun. It'll be really great to see everyone like you know twice in the same year. <laughs> So that'll be cool. <clears throat> that'll it will be, very be. I'm looking cool. forward to it. It's, it's going to be very cool. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again. Yeah, me too. It'll be it'll be a blast. So for our listeners out there, our phone number is three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine, and it's open mic night again. <laughs> it's open mic night, so. Call in, tell us about your dojo, uh, tell us about any upcoming events that you guys are going to be having, the whole nine yards. Uh, you know, if you have something you want to talk about, you want to rave about something, rant about something, feel free to call in, 347-677-0699. All right. Well, with that said, let's move on with the show. So who do we have for our birthday segment? We've got some birthdays here. We do, and actually, for the first time in a long time, most of them are yours. <laughs> uh, mine, I only had one this week, and mine is Guru Dirk. His birthday is on eight twenty-eight, and the rest of them are yours. Oh, okay. Well, there are two other people whose birthdays are on the 28th of August. We've got Jack Panotes um, on the 28th, and one of my old students, Robert Steitler. Um, he's one of our first black belts. Um, under the uh, Seattle One Hopkindo slash Body Movement Arts uh, incarnation. So 
He was having that. Uh, they're both having their birthdays on the 28th. Um, another one of my Tai Chi students, Roxanne Smith. So she's having her birthday on the 25th. That's tomorrow. Wow. Um, an old Batokukan Karate friend of mine, Young Min Kim, Sensei Young Min Kim. Um, his birthday is on the 29th. And uh, Soke Robert Hill, also of Batokukan Karate and uh, also a, a alumni of the Masters Hall of Fame and was a guest on our show. His birthday is on the 30th. And an old Kajikembo friend of mine, Kevin Cornwell, his birthday's on the 30th as well. So for everyone out there having a birthday, this tune's I can't even find my birthday tune. <laughs> oh, here we go. This tune's for you. <laughs> Maybe. Push the button. Today's your birthday. Birthday, everybody. Enjoy the birthday week. <laughs> I always love yeah. that tune. I, I <laughs> how they yell at the end. Anyway, all right. So let's get into uh, random announcements and events and stuff like that. Other than, other than the uh, his, uh, Museum of uh, Museum of History, the Martial Arts History Museum. Hall of Honors. Do you, uh, do you have any cool events on your end over there? No, nah, my end, not this week. Oh, okay. Oh, speaking of your end, down there in the in the uh, southern area of California, did you guys get any inkling of that earthquake up in the Bay Area? I mean, does it do earthquakes travel that far? No, no. The Bay Area, the Bay Area is like three hundred fifty miles from here. Oh, okay, okay, huh? Okay, just wondering, because <clears throat> I remember that um, when we had um, our big earthquake over here in, like, I forgot what year it was, what we called the Nisqually earthquake, there were people, like, all the way up in, like, Vancouver that were that were feeling it. But then again, they're all, I think they're under 300 miles. I, I know they're like, oh, maybe not. I don't know. But they were they were feeling it up there, and some people down in Oregon were feeling it. And I was like, what? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> What's going on? But, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that are wondering about, you know, whether or not all these, like, earthquakes down on this coast are a precursor to something bigger somewhere. Um, but, I don't know, I'd much rather not think about it right now. <laughs> yeah, me either. I remember the one big one that they had had in Frisco cause about 25 years ago, and you mentioned that online today. After they had that, I remember call, trying to get a hold of the late Brendan Lye mm-hmm. uh, for like days and could not get it through. Now, Charles wow. Shepard that lives in the Bay Area announced that he's okay, which is a good Okay, thing. good. Good. Yeah, I sent out a, I sent out a uh, generic like, hey, Bay Area friends, you okay down there? And I heard from some people, and <clears throat> I don't remember if I – I haven't checked the Facebook yet, so I haven't, uh, don't know if I heard from Charles yet. But hope you're okay down there, Sifu Charles. And all my friends down there, Sifu, Sonia, Richardson, and everybody. All right. Well, um, let's see. And other random announcements. <clears throat> I found out not too long ago 
that the Wing Luke Asian Museum here in Seattle will be featuring a, a big exhibit of Bruce Lee's life, and it's going to be running for three years here in Seattle. It's, this, is, this is great, and I'll go ahead and read the, uh, <clears throat> the press release here. Um, the Wing Luke Museum of the Asian Pacific, Pacific American Experience, or simply known as, quote-unquote, The Wing, is presenting an exhibit called Do You Know Bruce? A new exhibit about the global martial arts and cultural icon Bruce Lee. The exhibit will run for three years and will likely be the most attended exhibit in the five-year history of the wing, which is located in Seattle's International District, which is what we call Chinatown, at 719 South King Street. Now, the Wing Luke Asian Arts Museum... uh, has been around for a long, long time. But this incarnation, the Wing Luke Museum of Asian Pacific American Experience, um, has been in this incarnation for only five years. And uh, they used to be um, a part of the Seattle, uh, the Seattle Art Museum and uh, moved to Chinatown, of all places. Where to put an Asian history museum? In Chinatown. <laughs> go figure. Go figure. But this exhibit will explore Bruce Lee's personal story and connection to Seattle. Um, And as many people know, Bruce Lee arrived in Seattle in 1959, where he attended the University of Washington, met and married his wife, Linda, opened his first martial arts studio, and was ultimately laid to rest next to his son, Brandon, who followed in his father's footsteps as a martial arts movie star. Now, This exhibit is the only exhibit outside of Hong Kong presenting an in-depth look into Bruce Lee's life, featuring never-before-seen belongings, letters, writings, and equipment from his martial arts studios. This is going to be really, really cool. Now, The Wing is preparing for the upcoming exhibition by actually creating a new space, uh, especially for it. Now, a pre-exhibit gathering um, is going to take place on Saturday, September 13th with a Bruce Lee cocktail party from 5 to 6.30 p.m. And attendees will be among the first to see a few of the Bruce Lee artifacts and treasures that will be included in the exhibition. Um, now, tickets to this are going to be $75 and uh, will be available through the Wing Luke website at wingluke.org. That's W-I-N-G-L-U-K-E.org. Um, but get your ticket soon, folks, because space is limited. So um, it doesn't quite say when the actual opening is. I could have sworn I saw um, something about October or something like that, so early October. So, uh, But the uh, preview will be September 13th. Um, so get your tickets um, Drinks, cocktails, and uh, hors d'oeuvres, 75, 75 bucks, folks, wingluke.org, three years. So if anyone visits Seattle, look me up, because I will always go see it with you guys. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> all right, I think that's it for my announcements. Do you have any? Uh, no, not tonight. No? Okay, cool. Well, let's uh, keep the show rolling again. And for our listeners out there, join the fun. It's open mic night, 347 or we are on the chat board. Let me go over here and check to see who we got there. Oh, we've got Deb on the chat board. How you doing, Deb? 
Just wave on the chat board. Let me know that you can hear us, okay? All right. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's move on to the health news. Okie dokie. Health tips, actually. And uh, since we're getting really, since we're getting really close for kids going back to school, um, I just want to uh, read off some some things about the importance of exercise for those kids. Now, you know, kids go to school and they, and, and they have recess and stuff like that, but um, for the kids that don't want to do recess or think that team games are stupid or whatever, I, I want everyone to know about the six best reasons that kids should get exercise. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be karate. It could be uh, uh, some type of team sport. It, it could be just a co-ed um, gathering at the local community center, whatever. But the best best things about kids' exercise, number one, your, your child will feel less stressed. Number two, they can feel better about themselves through the exercise because it's a, it's a feeling of accomplishment, right? Number three, the kids will feel more ready to learn in school. Number four, keep a healthy weight. Number five, it helps kids build sturdy muscles, bones, and joints, which is going to be important as they grow. And number six, it helps them sleep better at night. Now, for us as parents, okay, we all know that more time in front of the TV means less time getting outside and playing and running and exercising. So, parents, we need to limit the TV, video games, and computer time. They should set a good example by being physically active themselves. So, you know, rather than yelling at kids and saying, you should get out more while, <laughs> while you're sitting there, you know, get out there with your kids, okay? Um, I guess it depends on whether or not your kids want to be seen exercising with you. <laughs> I wasn't one of those kids. I, I, you know, I wanted, you know, karate was my thing. I didn't want, I didn't want my, my parents to to come and watch me. I didn't want my parents to to be a part of it. That was my thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Now, exercising can be fun for everyone. So some easy ways for kids to stay active include walking or biking to school, uh, jumping rope, um, going to the playground, and participating in organized team sports programs. Now, the last time I told my kids this, that jumping rope was a great exercise, a lot of the boys went, that's for girls. But have you guys seen some of the crazy cool tricks that you can do with jump ropes? There's this guy on YouTube that does these crazy cool tricks with with a jump rope. I'll have to I'll have to find it and post it up on the page so that way that way I can forward it to my kids and go, "See, he's a dude." Anyway. <laughs> now, um, another important thing, um kids out there if you're listening, get enough sleep. All right. Nodding off in school is not very cool. It kind of it kind of makes you look bad, and it, it's not going to really keep keep you all that healthy. Now, a study that was funded by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute links poor sleep in teens. Well, teens meaning like 13 to 16 years old, linking teens to higher blood pressure. Higher blood pressure, kids. You don't want it. Researchers found that teens who got less than six and a half hours of sleep per night were two and a half times more likely to have elevated blood pressure than teens who slept longer. Also, teens who had trouble falling asleep or staying asleep were three and a half times 
more likely to have high blood pressure or pre-high blood pressure than teens who slept well. These results are similar to findings from other studies in adults. High blood pressure, if left untreated, can increase the risk of stroke and heart diseases later in life. So, sleep fact number one. School-aged children and teens need at least nine hours of sleep a night. Adults need about seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Sleep tip number two. Set a sleep schedule. Whew, that's another tongue twister. Set a sleep schedule, going to bed and waking up the same time every day. Keep room temperature on the cool side and keep the TV and the computer out of the bedroom because it will be a distraction, especially for today's plugged-in teens. So anyway, those are some tips for keeping healthy throughout the school year. And uh, get started early, folks, uh, kids, with the uh, sleep schedule because – you know, that first week of school is always going to be tough, especially if you're going to a new school. You know, the stress of, you know, do I know anyone? Will people like me? What are my classes like? You know, get your sleep early or get your sleep schedule set early. All right. I think that's it for my health news. I think it's time for Weird News. Is, you know, you said something funny. It's, it's funny with my daughter. She doesn't mind working out. She goes to the, the school and works out now. It's just, and she's glad, though, that she only had to take two years of PE because she hates mandatory exercise. Not that she doesn't do it, but she hates mm-hmm. being told she has to do it. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and she's just glad she doesn't have to do it next to you. So, now, I agree. Where is, yeah. in relationship to you, where is Richland? Washington. Richland, I yeah. think it's out. I think it's out east. I don't remember because I, you know, I dr- I know I drive by it when I'm going, uh, when I'm going like to places. <laughs> I just don't know where it is. It's in a, it's in south, uh, South Washington. So it's like around Yakima. So. Um, oh, okay. Southeast, well, this, no, southeast. It's southeast, this, this, so you have to uh, go over south, the mountain. Southeast. Oh, got it. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. this story happened in Richland. Okay. A 40-year-old woman tackled a 20-year-old man fleeing from police in Washington State. What the then hell? taunted him. Yeah. <laughs> and then taunted <laughs> him about being taken down by a grandmother. Oh, my <laughs> Rich- gosh. Yeah, because you imagine? She's like was ah. and laughing. <laughs> Ridgeland Police Captain Mike Cobb tells the Tri-City Herald that Becky Powell was driving by Wednesday when she saw the man run from the officers. She told her husband to beat up ahead of the fleeing man and got out to confront him. Powell says the man tried to stiff arm her, but she... Uh, I... I from that, I don't know why this word is there, but she felled him. F e l l e d. Yeah, but felled. Yeah, okay, but she felled him, pulling down his shorts in the process. <laughs> right, exactly. So he was trying to step on her. She dropped to the ground and tackled it, avoiding her, avoiding the stiff arm. Uh huh. Holding shorts wow. down in the process. She says she got help pinning the man down and asked him how it felt to be taken down by a mother of five and a grandmother of three. 
Cobb <laughs> says police appreciate power action, but warn people not to get involved in police matters. Cobb <laughs> says the man ran because he had an outstanding warrant. You know, it was a nice thing to, to try to help the police out, but don't put yourself in danger. This guy could have I know. had a weapon, a knife, yeah. a gun, and then you could get caught in a crossfire. Uh, yeah. It, it was really lucky for this woman that nobody got hurt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you first read that story, I was like, that was kind of a stupid thing to do, but <laughs> but, yeah, but going the cops neener, neener, caught neener. It. Yeah, exactly. But for her to go neener, 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 what's it like to get taken down <laughs> by a grandmother? She, like, all thought it was, like, fight night or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so now we move, a... we move on to entertainment news. Did okay, you know af- after Woo-hoo! Did you know that Nick Cannon and Mariah Carey were having problems? You know, I, I had no clue. I, I have I, I haven't really been following Mariah Carey's personal life, so I really didn't even know who she was married to. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I didn't know there was such an age difference. He's 33, she's 44. Well, Nick Cannon confirmed separate living arrangements with Mariah Carey. Nick Cannon has confirmed to the insider that that there is trouble in paradise. The America's Got Talent host, 33, opened up to the insider guest co-host, Chris Spencer, about his marital issues with with wife Mariah Carey, 44, saying, we have been living in separate houses for a few months. Mm-hmm. There were several clues that the couple was was on the rocks. They hadn't been photographed together in months. This was the first year that they didn't re- have a Valentine renewal. They even spent Valentine's Day alone, and they sold their Bel Air mansion. While the couple seems to hit, have hit a rough patch, Cannon denied rumors of infidelity. Mm-hmm. My main focus is on my kids, said Cannon. Cannon and Carey, who wed in 2008, share three-year-old twins together. So, well, that Aww. that is too bad. That's a shame. But you know what? They've got they've got stupid money. I mean, they've got such stupid money. Mariah has hired somebody that does nothing but follow her around and hold her drinks for her. Are you serious? That really? Is- She's got a money. drink. She's got a drink valet. She can't hold her own drink. Right. Well, I call her a drink lackey. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I guess maybe that would actually make sense. So it's more of like a drink bodyguard, I guess. I would imagine. So no one can like slip a Mickey. You know, um, probably because I've been Mickey before, and I, you know, that would suck if someone managed to Mickey Mariah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know how many people she's got around her. And, yeah, and my, yeah. my wife just pointed at me just now and said, you'd want that job. <laughs> to be a drink lackey? If she's going to pay yeah. like 100 bucks an hour, yeah, you know, I'll be a drink yeah, lackey. I'll be, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be the plate carrier to follow her around at buffets <laughs> and stuff. You know? For 100 bucks an hour, I will spoon feed her. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess those people get 200 bucks an hour because you have to get within the circle, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> All righty. So a reminder to our listeners, it's open mic night. After the break, we're going to be talking about anything and everything that y'all want to talk about. So our phone number here is 347-677-0699. We've also got the chat board if you're listening through Blog Talk Radio on our show marquee. So um, if uh, that's the end of the entertainment news, let's take a quick two-minute and 30-second break, and we'll get into talking about some cool stuff. I do want to talk about the importance of forms a little bit later, so we'll be right back after this. Hey, MMA fighter Jason Mayhem Miller here. School bullying and cyberbullying statistics are increasingly viewed as an important contributor to youth violence, including homicide and suicide. Let's kick bullying together. Go to we'rekickingit.com. This is Annie Lennox of Eurythmics, or RAD. Please don't drink and drive, and don't drive if someone else has been drinking. Thank you. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. This is Guru Rocky Twitchell of Citrus Heights, California. And you are listening to the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show. Packers. Vikings. We come from different places. Uptown. Downtown. We come to different conclusions. Half empty. Half full. But when we live united, we make a real difference in the building blocks of life. Children succeed in school. Families gain financial stability. The health of our neighbors improves, and suddenly so do our communities. Real change won't happen without you. Live United. So give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Sign up today at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All righty, and we are back. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. Um, our phone number here is 347-677-0699, and we have a chat board on our Blog Talk Radio show, Marquee. So it's open mic night, and uh, give us a call. Just join the fun. Let's talk about anything and everything, and let's shoot the breeze. All right, so earlier... You know, I, I got a couple things. I got a couple things, though. Well, it was funny at the end. Well, one, I've, I've never understood that Annie Lennon spot where it says if somebody's been... You don't drive if someone else has been drinking. Isn't that what the designated driver is for? What 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 did she say? Did she say you know don't drive if she someone else has been drinking? Don't drive if somebody else has been drinking. I really now I need to like play it again. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh great! All right, starting some crap here. Yeah, and then well, there was that because... part where you said y'all. You said y'all. Y'all, yeah. I was I was thinking what is that Southern Filipino? Yeah, Southern Filipino. Yeah, must be the uh, must be the old Beacon Hill thing. Beacon Hill was like the uh, the melting pot uh, neighborhood when I was growing up. You know, like you know how like certain neighborhoods have have like certain demographics. You know what I mean? You know, like Bellevue over here is like 
rich, mainly rich Caucasian. You know what I mean? At least back in the day, it was like rich Caucasian people, right? Uh, and Mercer Island. And then you've got like Mount Baker and you've got like Beacon Hill and then South Park and White. So anyway, the, the Beacon Hill was one of the diverse neighborhoods, right? Um, so we had people from all over. We had uh, Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, Vietnamese, uh, Russian, like every everybody, you know, and uh, Caucasian people, you know. A lot of, we had a lot of Southerners that lived near me and stuff like that and used to hang out with the kids there. Um, and uh, I think that must be a throwback from back then, y'all. Well, you were naming some really rich neighborhoods. I, I must know where in relationship does Bill Gates live? Because he's, he's the richest neighborhood you're ever going to have. If I remember correctly, he lives in, good Lord, I think he lives in Bellevue? Bellevue or Woodenville? I, I don't remember. Uh, does anybody out there know? Because, you know, all I know is, is that he's the richest guy in the world right now, I just, and he lives here. I just don't know where he lives. <laughs> <laughs> does anyone does anyone know? Oh, he um he lives over by Lake Washington, so it could be Mercer Island. Um, let me see here. What, the it whole just says Island? he he could actually. <laughs> um, in fact, here's his. He's got an Earth Shelter house. Okay, it's a, the architectural style is called Pacific Lodge, and it's uh, it's very automated. So he's got like automated um, skylights and and um, solar panels and stuff like that. He's actually in the Medina neighborhood. Um, and this, this really kind of sucks because on Wikipedia it gives his full address. But, Are you um, serious? Yeah, but I think he's got his own police force that, that guards yeah, the ground. Yeah, because sure. his, the, the, his house is actually $63.2 million. It costs $63.2 million to build. Um, you know, complete with the automated something, and um, its nickname is Xanadu. <laughs> Xanadu. Xanadu, 66,000 square feet of living space. 66,000 wow. square feet. I mean, you need to give visitors a map to go to the bathrooms. I mean, that's how big this is. <laughs> Oh my God! It says here that the house wow. features in a statewide server system. I don't know what that means. I'm I'm guessing it's a server. You know, yeah, you think computers? It's got a 60 foot swimming pool with an underwater music system, a 2,500 square foot gym, a thousand square foot dining room, heated floors and driveways. Um, guests. Check this out. Guests wear pins that automatically adjust temperature, music, and lighting based on their preferences upon entering a room. So if you're a visitor there and you happen to be staying with them, you can set up your pin and wear it around. And any room you go into, it will, it will check the environmental controls to match what you want. How cool is that wow <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that is wow wikipedia gotta love that but sixty-six thousand square feet i mean that's like bigger than a warehouse you know it's it's like bigger than amazon's warehouse when they started 
It's <laughs> well, yeah, when they started, you know, now they have a warehouse in Ontario, California. It's like a million square feet. Yeah, yeah. I, there are warehouses everywhere. I mean, Amazon over here is crazy and, you know, just, yeah. I, anyhow, <laughs> I'm not going to complain about traffic. I'm not going to complain about traffic. <laughs> it's all the <laughs> Amazon, Boeing, and Microsoft people. Anyhow. And Microsoft, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And speaking of speaking of which, since it's open mic night, I guess I can rant about this. Um, Seattle, I swear, goes through more Department of Transportation road work than at once than I think any other city does. I think, and they have to close major highways to do it, like ninety nine. <laughs> All the Seattle people listening are probably, you know, shaking their heads up and down and going, yeah, let's bitch about 99. They closed 99 on Friday, and it's not set to open until 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. So the weekend, okay. On top of that, there was a preseason Seahawks game. Um, and so, yeah, and, and one of the only ways to get to the field, to Safeco Field where the Seahawks play, is 99. And they closed it. <laughs> so everyone's on I-5, right? And it just, it just made traffic just so ugly. On top of people getting out of, uh, top of people getting out of work Friday from Microsoft, Amazon, and Boeing. Um, you know, and people coming in to get ready for the game and stuff like that. Oh, my gosh. Really? Jeez. Really? Well, Come on, Seattle. I thought I had a bad on Thursday. I had a job walk in Studio City. I mm-hmm. punched it into my GPS Thursday morning, 7.30 I leave, 7.2 miles. It took wow. me an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. There, the, the street I had to take to this place was all jacked up. They were laying new pipes, so there's one lane now. And mm-hmm. not only was it only one lane, there was a street sweeper in front of me. <laughs> and I was a block from a main intersection, one block. It took me eight light cycles to go through that intersection. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, it, was, it, it was just absolutely nuts. And and you're you're you live in one of the metropolitan areas. There's probably only a, a dozen metropolitan areas where it would take you an hour to go seven miles. Yeah, that's that's in pretty much how long country. it took me. Yeah, that's how that's pretty much how long it took me to get to my little ninja birthday party that I had to do yesterday um and uh this neighborhood magnolia is just on the other side of uh seattle proper um and from where i from where my school is technically all i'd have to do is drop down a hill and go uh past the first avenue bridge and hit 99 exit go down a hill and across and i'm there it would take me only about 15 minutes and this is all freeway speed. It just zoop right across the, right across the way there. If I took ninety nine, but no, ninety nine had to be closed. So the only way that I could get to Magnolia was to go around. So I had to go all the way around to get to I five, go down I five, which was all jacked up because everyone's trying to get to the game, <laughs> right? Right. And Boeing and Amazon and Microsoft, you know that kind of thing. On a Saturday, of all things, it took me an hour. It took me, no, I take that back, a little more than an hour. 
because wow. I, I left at about like 12.50 from my school, and I got there right at 2 p.m. when I was supposed to start. And I was like, really? Really? So, yeah. <laughs> it sucks. Oh, so did, did you guys ever get taken care of those uh, uh, that really bad oh. uh, dumpster okay. thing yeah. you get That's- going? Let's talk about that, too, and then we'll talk about form. So stay tuned, folks. We are going to talk martial arts here, but it is open mic. So if you want to talk about something else, you know, call in. But we will talk about forms a little bit later because this is a subject that's very near and dear to my heart. Okay. So a few days ago, uh, Thursday, as a matter of fact, Thursday night, one of my Tai Chi students comes into my studio and says, Hey, Sifu, you know, what's that smell outside? Do you smell that? I'm like, I don't know. What are you talking about? And she said, you know, I wonder if that truck that I saw pull in was just dumping some, you know, rotting garbage or something like that. And I went, well, you know, let's go take a look. So I go out the back and she's like, oh, you better be careful. I mean, it smells bad. It smells like, like bad. And I'm like, how could it, how bad could it be? It's garbage, right? So I go through the back door and I come around into the parking lot and, and we've got like two big dumpsters, right? One's for garbage and one's for recycling, the big commercial kind not the little ones, right? So we've got this big commercial dumpster. And I look at the garbage dumpster, and there's water pouring out of it. I'm like, why is there water pouring out of it, right? And a a good amount of water, too, because it was pouring out, leaking underneath, and pouring out into the uh, parking lot. And the whole parking lot smelled like, pardon my French, it smelled like shit. It smelled, well, it smelled like rotting rotting something i thought oh my god what's in the dumpster is some is somebody in the dumpster this is what i'm thinking it smells like something had died so i'm like okay and um i'm approaching the dumpster and one of my students gets out of her car and she steps in the in the water and she's like holy shit what is that I'm like, you smell it too. She's like, oh my god the whole parking lot smells like it and i mean it was so bad that you could taste it it was that bad Ooh. it was it was it was just pukey, right? Well, anyway, so I decided to open up the the dumpster, but I like held it at, I held the lid at arm's length and I opened it, and I, I started slowly trying to get my head over the top, right? And all I saw was the, the rump end of what appeared to be an animal. It was just the rump end and in in, in water because you know the dumpster was like. In water, there was the stuff was in water. All I saw was a rump end and a big tail, and I kind of gasped a little bit. So that meant I got the full shot of rotting whatever that was, right? So I so <laughs> so I gasped, and I get that full shot of nasty. I slam the lid, and we both get the full wind shot of nasty, and we start running. And we're we're like gasping, and that's not helping because the water that was running out of there was stinking too. So we're basically inhaling nasty, rotting, fleshy, odor-type stuff, right? Oh, it was awful. I stood in front of the school, and I think I tried tried to puke, but nothing came out. I was just like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh." (laughs) I got inside and like shut the door and luckily, you know, pretty airtight, right? I was like, oh my God, it smells like death out there. And um, the 
the students are like, it does. It smells like something died. I'm like, it's, it's an animal. It's, a, it's an animal. And who the hell would dump their dead, rotting animal in, in, in there? I mean, they had to, for it to smell like that, they had to have kept it for a while before they dumped it. I mean, come on. You know, isn't that considered illegal dumping? <laughs> oh, they must have done it at night or something when nobody saw. No, I I think um I think they must have did it before um before the Tai Chi class and after Mighty Mites class cuz I was out there earlier. I had like dumped a bunch of uh, uh stuff into the recycling and dumped our weeks worth of garbage in the dumpster and there was nothing in the dumpster. So I think the truck that my Tai Chi student initially saw when she came in was probably the thing she saw, uh, which explains why the water was still leaking out of the bottom of the of the dumpster because it was like soon soon before I went out there. So, but it smelled bad. I mean, you know, standing out in front of my school, you could smell it, and the dumpster is like around the corner in the parking lot, right? I'm like, oh gosh, if the wind changes, we're screwed, right? And every student that came in that night, what the hell's that smell? What the hell's that smell? What died? You know. <laughs> it was just awful. So, but because I didn't want to actually look in there and because it smelled so bad, you know, um, the students were like, so, you know, what if it's not an animal? What if it just looked like one to you? What if it is someone, you know? And I'm like, oh, shoot, okay, I'll, I'll call the police. So I had to call the sheriff, right, which is weird because – when we were in Seattle, we called the police. Now that we're in White Center, which is just outside of White, uh, West Seattle, like King County, it's like unincorporated King County, we have to call the sheriff now. <laughs> oh. so, so, yeah, we have to call the sheriff. So called the sheriff, and uh, they sent over somebody, and um, the, uh, the sheriff came inside and said, yeah, there's like, there's like two small rodents two small animals in your dumpster. And I'm like, that, I'm sorry, that stink does not smell like squirrels and rats. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's disgusting. And, uh, but yeah, so anyhow, so I went, okay, well, I guess I'll call waste management. So next, <laughs> Deborah goes, oh, poor deputy. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing was, when he came in, he brought the stink in with him. I'm like, gee, thanks, officer. But anyhow, um, the next day I called waste management. And waste management says, if the carcasses are in the dumpster, we cannot swap out your dumpsters. And I went, what? Yeah, you know, if, if, if they're not bagged and if they're sitting plain as day in the dumpster, in its fluids, we cannot take it because then it becomes biohazard. And I'm like, okay, so who do I call? And they said, call animal control. Okay, I'm going to call animal control. So I called animal control. And animal control asked me, is it a dog or a cat? And I said, I don't know. I didn't stick my head in there to find out because I didn't want to see anything rotting dead. I mean, it smelled like it was dead, really, really dead. I mean, it was like, you know, it smelled like, you know, advanced stages of decomp. It was that bad. Oh, Ooh, I'm starting to like dry heave just thinking about it. But, um, and animal control said, well, if it's not a dog or a cat, 
or domesticated animal, we can't take it. We don't do anything with wildlife. That would be the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And I'm like, well, but why is it sometimes I see animal control trucks out there, you know, carrying raccoons and stuff like that? I don't, I don't get it. Is that, you know, I mean, come on. And she said, well, let me give you some advice. You're not going to like it. I'm like, oh, God. She's like, you're going to have to bag the carcasses. So that way waste management will take it. And I'm like, are you serious? Really? I don't, why is it my job to, to get rid of dead, rotting carcasses? Since when, it's, when is it my job to do that? You know, why can't the garbage right. people take care of it? Why can't animal control come take care of it? I mean, where, when does it become the consumer's job? I was pissed. So I, I, and that's when I placed that, that complaint on Facebook. I was just like, I don't want, I'm not getting in there. You know, I mean, that's a bacteria and God knows what, you know, these animals had. And, you know, I'm putting myself at risk. I mean, no. Well, you know, save the day. Here comes Marina, Marina Kosenko, who was a previous guest on our show. I mean, she had like hip waiter boots. She had gas masks. She had like respirators. She had up to the elbow gloves and, you know, all, all sorts of all sorts of stuff that, you know, that she had when she was in the uh, uh, in the military. And she came over, put her goggles on and you know, went to work, and uh, she sent me off to go get baking soda. So I bought four pounds of baking soda. And by the time I got back, there uh, all the carcasses were bagged, and we just poured the whole baking soda thing into the um, into the dumpster. And now we're fine. Now we're just going to wait for waste management to come and dump it and swap out our dumpster. So, I know you didn't see it, but what did Marina say they were? Possums. And they, they were, were they were bloated, nasty, like bloated, like you know, if you moved them, they would have exploded, kind of bloated. And because she took a picture of this, but she didn't post it on Facebook, because she didn't want anyone to tag it as inappropriate or anything like that. It was disgusting. It was like two possums, big possums too, and they were bloated and veins like all showing and just abdomens distended and sitting in its own fluid and just nasty and a skull. So there must have been three. There had to have been three possums, but one of them had like, one of them had like a freshly white skull. There was like nothing on it. So I, I, I surmise that people had kept these dead rotting possums like in a big tub of water or something because that will keep the smell down, right? And then they just right. dumped the whole crap in our dumpster. And that's probably, that explains why there's like, there's hay in the, um, in the parking lot too. So I don't know where they're from. Uh, you know, I'm hoping they, I hope, I'm hoping they didn't like go through all the trouble of like driving in from Auburn, which is the, the well, Kent, the nearest place where you can have a farm, I guess, you know, to drive in all the way from there to dump their crap. You know, I mean, that's just disgusting. Folks, if you're... Bury your dead animals or take them to a rendering plant or something or bury it. I mean, who the heck saves dead possums? <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, that was my rant for the evening. 
<laughs> let's let's move let's move on. Okay, a subject near and dear to my heart, and that's farms. Now, Sifu Bob, you brought up this subject um, about farms. Uh, can you tell our listeners why you brought up this subject? It was based on a post that somebody else had posted, right? Yeah, John Border had posted. Let me look real quick because he worded it a certain way about forms. Uh, mm-hmm. About you know, basically about it being a library or our forms mm-hmm. uh, useless, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to look that up right now, and my tablet is out there because John Border. Oops, no. I see something that's called Kata is the Soul of Martial Arts. Agree or disagree? And then there's... That's it. That's it. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's... Kata is the yeah. Soul of Martial Arts, right. Yeah, and then the... Um, and then there's just discussion. Um, and, you know, some... Discussion. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people in this discussion, um, you know, posted a lot of great... a lot of great stuff. Um, and... Uh, like one gentleman here uh, says that discipline is the soul of the martial arts. Another person said kata is um, the meditation of the movement. Um, and uh, another person made a great point. He says, I like kata and utilize it, but I completely understand why most people don't like it. Most bunkai or application is not practical at all. And I have a, and, and I have a totally different take on it. Um, wait. I have a totally different take on it that works for me. Um, and that's a good point. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and bunkai is a, is a, a big thing um, about this. Um, and uh, it's true. It's a library, you know, and it's a, that's a great post, uh, Sensei Border. Thank you for sharing that on Facebook. Um, you know, what drives me up the wall is, is people that, that say forms are useless, uh, kata, um, or Quen, or Taolu, however you want to call it, Pumse, Palgoy, whatever you want to call it. Forms are useless. Um, forms are stuck in the uh, old ages, and they're not needed anymore, and blah, 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 blah. And my my favorite comment to hate is, well, Bruce Lee didn't do forms. And I, and I got to go, oh, my God, stop using Bruce as an excuse. To be lazy, you know. <laughs> you know what? You know what I mean. It's kind of like I, you know, I do see why people don't like it. You have to take the time to memorize something. Oh God forbid that you got to use your brain to memorize something, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> but right. But you know, my take on it is, you know, it is. It's a library that keeps an art what it is, an art. Right there's martial art, and then there's martial. Uh, what's it? I had a word for it too, but there's the art part, and then there's the strictly fighting part um, of it. Like and I was just gonna call it. War aspect. Yeah, the 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 war aspect of it, or just the martial um, aspect of it. So there's the art part, and then there's the practical, you know, martial part of it. Okay, and that's fine. Uh, most martial arts will have both. I believe some martial systems will have just fighting and some will have just forms. But for the most part, you know, I think that most, you know, uh, most fighting um, 
martial arts, most systems that tout themselves as a martial art, um, will have a little bit of both fighting and um and the art part um and i, I like what 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 john said it's like it, it, it's like a a library um a history book of sorts of what the masters of old did and we're just passing down the library right um and it, it's a good point because you know i might have a book here in my hands that was written by a tai chi master like a hundred years ago right but right that doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, do this form this way or use it in this way because times change. And any good martial artist will know that if you practice forms, it's going to give you a whole slew of benefits such as strong legs, right? <laughs> strong legs, great cardiovascular capability, um, a, a keen knowledge of your own body awareness, you know, the ability to make to make your movements sound stable and powerful without, you know, flopping around all over the place and looking like a dingbat, <laughs> you know, and a whole host of other stuff. And if you're good enough at your forms, you will be able to apply the concept of the movement, not the actual movement as it was written in stone. Um, but the people that don't practice forms don't know that. So they, you know, I think that's why they say, oh, forms are shitty. They're, they're useless. They're stupid. Um, now considering that people use the, the excuse of, well, Bruce doesn't do forms. So, and he did Jeet Kune Do and he made the, he, the way of no way. You don't need forms. Now I don't do Jeet Kune Do, but you do, Bob. Now what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts. Bob Sorry, you know, he was involved in, in Wing Chun 15 to 20 years before he ever, before he ever applied uh, Jeet Kune Do concepts. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't like, I, I, I'm going to catch crap for that, but I don't like the word concepts either uh, because yeah. it was a way of doing things. Uh, he learned Sulam Tao, Bar Chum Dao, uh, Chum Q, Buji. He learned yeah. all these forms. Now, you and I had a discussion uh, before the show, and I strongly believe that drills are also forms. Now, mm-hmm. anybody that uses the Bruce Lee theory, you know, not Bruce Lee's personal theory, but have developed their own thoughts in saying, oh, Bruce didn't believe in forms. Well, yes, he did. Mm-hmm. But because he also did the drills that went along with it, he still did. You know, even if he threw away the Sulam Tao and the Bartram Tao and the Chum Q and all these other forms and didn't do them, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying he did or didn't because I was when he died, I was like seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still did uh, cheese Tao, cheese drills. To, to sharpen the skill level, which are a part of the forms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he still did Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people, it, it, it really amazes me when people that, that don't, you know, practice uh, Jeet Kune Do type stuff or whatever, you know, like I, I call them the uh, YouTube and, and book warriors, the people that have never set foot training with a coach or anything like that or training even with a, a student of martial arts. I love how they like, 
you know, think that they can watch YouTube and stuff like that and make up their own thing and, and then have the excuse, well, Bruce Lee didn't have forms, so my art won't. And now I'm like the Soke, you know, 12th Dan founder of, you know, I do my own shit dough. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know? you know what? We, we have somebody on the line that mm-hmm. may give us some insight. Do you want to take a call? Sure, let's go ahead and take it. Go ahead. All right, all right. Area code four zero five. You're on Dynamic Dojo. Who are we speaking with? Oh, you guys are funny. You guys just put me in, huh? <laughs> oh, you know what? I, your your number. This is Grandmaster Daryl Sargent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know your number when it popped up on my board. It it was out of context. So I'm like, who's, uh-huh. who's 405? You know what it was? Yeah. <laughs> so, woohoo! Thanks for joining uh-huh. us, Mr. Daryl. <laughs> no problem. I, I just tuned in to the to the make your own shit up dough thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon my French, but I, yeah, I we, got like we a were... couple of seconds of of no forms or forms or something. What? So talk yeah. To me. Yeah, what's going on is that, you know, forms are very near and dear to my heart, and I was kind of ranting about how people will say, well, forms are useless, and they're good for nothing, and they won't teach you how to fight, and they will use Bruce Lee as a excuse for their, uh, you know, for their uh, desire to not do them, and um, this discussion actually came about because uh, Sifu Bob had seen a Facebook post from another friend of ours, John Border, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and his question, his his question on Facebook was, "Kata is the soul of martial arts. Agree or disagree?" And a lot of mm-hmm. great responses were on there. Like uh, one gentleman said that uh, uh, that discipline is the soul of martial arts, uh, which mm-hmm. kind of points toward you know kata and you know perfecting the moves and stuff like that. Um, that kata is the meditation of the movement, and uh, mm-hmm. that uh, bunkai um, is uh, a good uh, a good benefit from it. And I added that, you know, through kata development and uh, trying to perfect your moves through kata, it gives you great um, uh, cardiovascular capability, gives you strong legs, gives you a sense of discipline to find that, movement that that actually displays power and brings good power into play using your center and your waist and and your hips and your legs and stuff like that um all in a compact package called kata and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a great thing to do um that I thought and um and then me and Bob were talking about the we started talking about the people that that uh pretty much just get on YouTube and uh, buy books and uh, mm-hmm. become masters that way. <laughs> and that's where make your own shit up dough comes from. <laughs> okay, okay. That kind of, that kind I of thing. I got you. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of different ways to kind of look at it. You know, uh, I look at it, I primarily can use more of a Southeast Asian martial arts mm-hmm. background than my actual uh, traditional Japanese karate background. Uh, in terms of of the training with forms, you know, mm-hmm. as far as forms, when I was studying traditional karate, 
uh, we didn't learn a tremendous amount of the bunkai, or the bunkai was so uh, was so outdated, unrealistic, or yeah, or yeah, exactly. just so uh, like the teachers really weren't knowledgeable about um, the in-depth behind the scene stuff of the movements that mm-hmm. really it wasn't as relevant as I would have wanted. That says nothing against them. Um, right. But there are many today that uh, are leaving their, their teachers very early mm-hmm. that never learned the actual deeper meanings, the bunkai, the himitsu, the oyo, to mm-hmm. these forms. And mm-hmm. so when you don't have all of that in terms of the the understanding to the forms, then it just leaves you as doing some surface type of bunkai, and right. that surface type of bunkai just is not the depth of what that maybe uh, that art or that system was truly meant to be. But mm-hmm, then when you mm-hmm. go into the Southeast Asian side, when I go into my more of my silat training, of course, uh, Mahaguru Cliff Stewart is very... Uh, he his his depth of 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 info within the confines of his truths. That's mm-hmm. when I began to understand the deeper uh, perspectives and deeper meanings of Jews uh, or katas mm-hmm. or forms or whatever you want to be. When it goes from a basic core movement to uh, a maybe movement that deals with uh, your your principles, and then it goes down to movements that deal with points and how to use uh, different things like footwork uh, Mm -hmm. in in application to uh, things on the body. So Mm -hmm. really it goes into who the teacher is, uh, their their depth of information in regard to the the deeper uh, meanings of the forms, and then Mm -hmm. exactly... uh, what it is that they can that they that they derive out of it to make it a more realistic uh um i guess a more realistic thing for for practical application mhm mhm and i think that's i think that's where um you know one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like forms it's cuz you know yeah i'll admit a lot of the traditional quote unquote bunkai is impractical by today's standards it's very like it you know they would work if if you were defending against a samurai or you know <laughs> you know or something like that and but you know but i like i was uh telling bob a little bit earlier or no maybe it was uh before we we got on the show i think we were in the green room um i said something to the nature of that a lot of people um tend to look at the the movements of the kata and just assume that, you know, like if I'm going to do a downward block and a forward stance in a, in a kata that I have to do the move that way when I, when I defend myself. Right. Um, and it actually took my, my introduction into the Filipino martial arts. So again, with the, again, with the Southeast Asian martial arts, uh, it taught uh, the Filipino martial arts taught me how to look beyond the, the outward jacket of the you know traditional form and to and to to learn what is that teaching my body to do body mechanic wise what type of movement is it teaching me is it teaching me advance retreat same side movement reverse side movement which hip is for you know it's just it's it's teaching me something inherent within the body and it made me look at my own karate forms 
a whole heck of a lot differently. I'm like, holy crap. I, mean, <laughs> I revisit my karate forms every now and again, and I go, oh, my goodness, there's, there's a wealth of knowledge here that I didn't know was there when I was doing karate. And I had done karate for like, you know, about 20 years before I got into the Filipino martial arts. Um, and, but I think, you know, a lot of people get their, uh, get their knowledge of, uh, of what form is from what they're used to, what you're used to, what they're used to doing. Kind of like you said, it depends on the teacher. Um, and you know, my teacher was really good. Um, the funny thing was though, is he never really taught, um, bunkai for bunkai's sake. He would just, you know, he would pr- have us practice kata, and then we would spar, and that, was, <laughs> and that was, and that was how we learned. You know, um, it was up to us to make that, to make that um, uh, connection, as opposed to spoon feeding it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, you know, I was so used to doing things the karate way. You know, my, my. Uh, outlook on the martial arts was still very like one dimensional at that point. That's all I did was karate for 20 years. And yeah. And then walking out into Filipino martial arts and I was like, wow, this is a completely, completely, you know, different way of looking at things. And it really like opened my eyes to, um, to stuff in that well, don't aspect. Forget the, don't forget the, the time frame. you're talking 20 years ago. So you're talking about your teacher coming up in a time where mm-hmm. a lot of times those guys only stayed with one particular art form or one particular yeah. style sure. or system. And mm-hmm. so when they did that, they only had one particular viewpoint of how to look at the forms. And if they were not going deeper by their teachers into the applications of the form, then you couldn't expect them to go deeper into applications of the form. Exactly. So when you look at Filipino martial arts, um, you're looking at, at a, a, a method of core movement. And mm-hmm. when you look at the movements behind what we do in, in the Kali and the Arnis and the Eskrima, the core movements are the same, but then it gets you into a very much deeper uh, perspective of meaning of movement. And now it starts saying that your karate does have weapon application to it mm-hmm. and that your, your, your karate does have a different... Uh, if you didn't think that your karate had uh, grappling type of, of techniques, many people mm-hmm. that are in Shotokan know, don't know that Shotokan itself has throws. I mean, mm-hmm. Funakoshi Sensei himself taught Kano a couple of throws as, as he was teaching in Kodokan. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, going into those other type of arts where it was not watered down as much, then yeah. you will find things that are in the Southeast Asian arts that used to be in the tradition of karate arts that might have been taken out because people didn't get up to that level and they left. But when they go into the Southeast Asian arts, they are reintroduced, and then that makes all that they had learned prior um, that much more effective and that much more deeper in their in their depth of of, of knowledge. Mhm. Mhm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was a it, it was like a not a surprise. It was like a aha moment when the uh, you know Filipino martial arts started like opening all those doors for me. And you know, and I I, I actually went through like a uh, uh, a phase where I was like, oh my gosh, you know, why did I do you know, karate for 20 years. But, you know, I was eight. <laughs> I was eight years old, you know. 
didn't discover, you know, Anis and Kali and uh, Silat through uh, Grandmaster Chris Petrilli until I was like, what, 23, 24 or something, you know, I, you know, relatively later, you know, in uh, training as opposed to like, you know, how kids get get into martial arts really early nowadays, you know. So it's like, wow, you know, and it, it, it did. It really opened up a really opened up a, a lot. Um, but, you know, it and it really it really made me see a lot more of what my style of karate was all about because Batokatan um, also had like a little bit of Wing Chun um, thrown in there because uh, Soke Bob Hill um, is skilled in Wing Chun. Um, and uh, Shihan Yoichi Nakashi, the founder of Batokukan, had other martial arts as well. But, you know, you know, as we say, you know, you do what your dojo does. And unless you're, um, unless you're exposed to other n- neighborhoods, so to speak, you know, it's going to be kind of hard to, to really get a, a full, uh, full understanding of the, the culture, right? So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think, um, I think being able to find the bunkai is great. Now, one of our uh, one of our chatboard people has a comment about kata. Uh, let's see here. Oh, she says, "I love kata, and I've done it enough to where it becomes muscle memory." Um, and uh, let's see here. Let me. Uh, Sorry, there, there was a window that came up on my chat board, and it was it was it was weird. I have no idea who that person was. Okay, <laughs> um, Deborah says, um, "Funny as um, this discussion reminds me of uh, another discussion a while back that um, I was part of when the cutters were taught by the when the cutters were taught by the old masters." And my chat board went away. Bob, did you sign into the chat board? Uh, um, yeah, but it's tall. It's tall. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, I got kicked out of the chat board. But so anyway, anyway, she she had she had a cool uh, a cool comment about how uh, masters didn't uh, didn't teach deep stances. Um, they showed. Oh, here we go. They used the shallow, easy-to-move-from stances. The deeper stances were taught for only competitive tournament reasons. Um, and what else does she say? And then the rest isn't really relevant to what we were talking about. But, but yeah, um, the reason why, I, why we started talking about all this was that, you know, like I've seen too many comments about people like on Facebook or YouTube saying that um, anyone that practices kata is stuck in the Bronze Ages or or something like that. And I'm like, wow, really? Really? You don't see the benefits? Stop using Bruce Lee as an excuse. (laughs) And that's where where Sifu Bob had uh, um, gotten into the conversation because he does Jeet Kune Do. I don't. So I'm not quite sure, you know. what the Jeet Kune Do person's take would be on it. So, <laughs> so yeah. But, uh, Bob, did you have any other uh, comments about, you know, what 
what forms um, and drills that Bruce Lee did. That's what we were talking about. We were talking about drills. Right, we were talking about drills being, being yeah. actual, would be considered forms. And when, when oh. people are saying, oh, Bruce Lee never did drill, never did forms, well, that I feel that's a, fun, that's a cop-out because, yes, he did. And, and, tell, and tell your student, well, if you'd spend more time doing the form, less time talking about it, you'd be able to get it down. <laughs> And tell him I said sure. so. Uh, yeah, I will. You were, you were telling me that you, you spent half the lesson yesterday talking. Mhm. Mhm. Instead of I doing. had a yeah, I had a I had a lesson yesterday. I had a um uh, a lesson, and uh, one of the students had asked, and not in in I'll, I'll just kind of see if I can generalize what he was trying to ask and in a roundabout way. He pretty much was asking me, what's the point of learning this form, right? Um, I was teaching Tai Chi, and uh, he kind of beat around the bush, but he was pretty much asking, what's the point? Do I have to learn this form to get good at Tai Chi? You know, why can't I just do push hands and, you know, and get good at that and, you know, learn to fight that way? And uh, I spent, like, almost half of that lesson explaining, well, you know, we learn the form because it's part of the family style, and two, it teaches very good concepts. There's only 13 fundamentals in Tai Chi, and you have to understand them all if you want to be a good fighter in Tai Chi. And he's like, well, why can't we just, you know, why can't you just teach us the the fundamentals and we just practice them. I'm like, oh, you mean like in Kung Fu where we, where we say, oh, drop down horse stance. Now give me 100 punches. Ready, go. One, two, three, four. You mean like that? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, that, when are you going to, you going to fight someone from a horse stance? <laughs> and, um, yeah, and he he's pretty much looking for an excuse to not have to put in the work to get, um, to get good at the at the form, and and he and, and then he finally relented and said it's because I have a hard time remembering. You know, so I'm like, okay, so you don't want to learn the form because you you have a hard time remembering the form, and it's a long form. It's like 20 minutes, right? Um, and he's like, well, yeah, I have a hard time remembering. And I said, well, you know, break down each of uh, break down the form into little chunks, applicable movement. And he's like, but it's a form. I'm like, uh, yeah. So that <laughs> it just went on and on and on. And finally, I said, you know what? Why don't you and I practice the form first, so that way you know what moves that you're asking me about, and then let's talk. Um, and then he spent the next two hours um, just working on the first two movements, and he realized that wow, there's a wealth of movement here, um, a wealth of. Uh, Little, little tiny things like where to shift your weight, where to turn your waist and, you know, upper body moving with the lower bodies. Like I never really would have, you know, seen this before. It's so much different than fast martial arts. I'm like, no, not really. The only thing that's different is we're moving slower. But here, this is why. So you can see it, you know. And uh, he found out himself through practicing a slow form that he has a habit of flaring his elbow out when he does straight punches. And I said, no, 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 you know, don't lift your, don't lift your arm up, you know, elbow first, because that's awkward, that's not relaxed, it's not relaxed. You know, lift it up by wrist first. 
And um, he kept doing it. And, and then I put two and two together. And I'm like, that explains why your punches flare out when you're doing fast forms. He's like, do I do that? I'm like, oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> and I said, now you can't get rid of that habit. And it's showing now that we're slowing down. And uh, so now he's really seeing the value in the forms. And I'm hoping that it really um, not necessarily makes him practice, but actually gives him a different outlook to um, to his art, the way that um, he's going to practice it. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Um, so with that said, I want to remind our listeners out there about our phone number, 347-677-0699. It's about 725, so we've got about 35 minutes of showtime left. And we've got Grandmaster Daryl Sargent with us of Modern Combat Masters, also on Blog Talk Radio. Airs every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. So go check it out. That's another great show. Wednesdays, 6 p.m., Blog Talk Radio, Modern Combat Masters. Woo! Did a quick plug for you there, Grandmaster. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I appreciate it. Well, since you're with us, do you have any, like, open mic subjects that you'd like to talk with us about? We're, like, taking all callers. It's just nobody's calling. (laughs) Uh, No, I, I, no, I, I had really just called in to listen. But whatever you guys, you know, uh, are talking about, I'm happy to chime in for a few more minutes before I gotta head to work. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. Anybody out there with a subject, give us a call three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. I'm gonna call out Deborah Evans on the chat board. Deborah, think of a subject. Now she's stressing in front of her keyboard watch. <laughs> put your put your on the spot like that. Come on, yeah. Deb, you can do it. What do you want to know, talk about? I she just put LOL. That's not a subject, Deb. Um no, I want to know I want to know who Miss Pretty is. Uh there's someone called Miss Pretty that actually uh signed on to the board and my, when um when I started reading Deborah's comment, a a, a private box came up. And uh, the private box um, was was like like a happy face kissing another happy face or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> Miss Pretty made no sense. You know, the, you out, the, one of the one of the the uh, I guess the the person that you were talking to had talked about the lowest stances in comparison to the higher stances. And they said that it was done in relationship to, um, to, to what again, what, what did they say it was in relationship to? Um, the high stances, uh, that, that, that the old masters taught kata with shallow, easy to use stances, I guess mainly for bunkai, but, but the deeper stances were used for tournament reasons. Well, uh, on a different viewpoint of that, and, and that's not to discredit anything that is said on that. Um, the older masters, and it was according to the culture by which it was taught, You, when you think about karate, you're talking about more of an Okinawan-based type of Chinese, and they stayed in a higher, more shizentai or a more natural mm-hmm, position. Mm-hmm. And so going into the Japanese uh, and even the Korean um, which was based out of the Shotokan originally, um, some of, you know, 
then the the lowest dancers were brought in by Funakoshi in regard to the development of um development of strength and and, mm-hmm. and trying to get more of a dynamic movement to it. So it's not mm-hmm. to discredit what she was saying about the tournaments and all that, but mm-hmm. before that reason, you know, it was it, it was really based on these other reasons. When you look at traditional old school Okinawa karate, they mm-hmm. still have a more shizentai. They more have a they still mm-hmm. have a more uh, freer or or more relaxed uh, type of postures. They don't really yeah. call stances. Stances mm-hmm. would would signify a more stagnant type of movement where posture is more of a transitionary movement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like when I was, I remember when um, I was still doing karate, I used to look through all sorts of karate books. I think I like checked out every book in the Seattle Public Library, you know, about karate and stuff like that because I was just obsessed with it. But, um, you know, I was... um, I noticed that some styles would be more shizentai, you know, and more upright. Um, and sometimes their zen kutsudachis, their forward stances would be a bit more open than what I was mm-hmm. used to, right? Um, and and that's when I realized that, wow, you know, there is not one way to do karate, you know, because I was taught mm-hmm. hips forward, hips forward, hips forward. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, some other styles would be a little bit more open in their Zen Kutsudachi or their Kokutsudachi was a little bit different, you know, that kind of thing. And that was that was the most interesting part about, you know, learning martial arts was that there was, you know, that there was like another universe out there. Um and that there were other katas and other masters and 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 stuff like that. Um so yeah. So that's uh that was pretty cool. Um, uh, okay, Robert, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, I was like, I, I, I had to check my phone to see if I was on mute or not. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sense of what we're talking about in the background, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I have. I have no idea what you're talking about. What are you talking well, we'll, about? We'll, we'll have to talk later. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. See, see, you and you and Daryl know what we're what we're doing because you guys used to do it. You know, you're texting, you're facebooking, you're talking, you're, you know. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! I still want to know who Miss Pretty is. Show yourself. <laughs> and why? Hey guys, getting... I gotta, I gotta get oh, ready yeah. to go to work. But, okay. Um, oh, well, you do well, Grandmaster Daryl. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you guys for 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 sliding me in here and everything. Oh, my and, pleasure. It's always you know. so much fun to have you join us. <laughs> Well, good, and you guys keep up the great work. I look forward to hearing Thank more you, of the So Thank you. both of you. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. All right, all right. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. And that was Grandmaster Daryl Sargent, who's got uh, another wonderful show here on Blog Talk Radio, Modern Combat Masters, and uh, that was the show that I used to be the co-host on, but alas, my, my new uh teaching schedule has taken over. So now Hanshi Daniel Vena 
is the new co-host alongside Grandmaster Daryl with Modern Combat Masters. So give that show a listen. Um, the uh, Modern Combat Masters show is part of the uh, Doc Radio Network, which is dedicated to the, to the life and teachings of uh, the late Dr. Moses Powell. So go check it out. They have a lot of great, uh, great guests over there. All right. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, the, your 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 texts were like, like um. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 definitely talk. We'll... Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk. Well, I've got like a I've I've got like a a, 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 a phone meeting like at about eight fifteen after we go off the air. But yeah, I think it's someone that's just uh, getting in on our thing here because i i see that we well i guess we do have four users um but um i'll just i'll just guess to, i'll just guess and assume that you got a private window on your chat board too yeah i don't know how you got kicked off though that is so weird yeah well i mean uh after after i closed that window i got kicked off and i think it was um because you were trying to access it also or something that, i don't that's know weird yeah, it just popped but, up on my end. I I didn't do anything. I love when things just happen. I don't do I don't do anything right. to, to interact with it. You know. <laughs> yeah. So right. what else would you like to talk about? We had a strong discussion on forms, the usefulness of them. Some believe in them and some don't. From what I've seen, most people do believe in them because they come from an art that uses them. Not a lot of arts really do not have a form as a basis. Some type mm-hmm. of form styling. You know, right. like, like Craig Master Carter out in 29 Palms. He has over 75 forms. Mm-hmm. Now, most styles don't go quite that nuts. Uh, right. Uh, my hat's my off to him to be able to remember that many plus. Uh, you know, some of them are more, more traditional. Some of them may be uh, uh, tournament-based, whether mm-hmm. they do musical forms or nunchucks or, you know, double nunchucks or some kind of weapon. Right, uh, and but something that struck me is is so spot on was something that the Grandmaster Daryl said. It's all up to the teacher. That's the right. Teacher will teach right. what he was taught, what he was taught, what he was taught, and sometimes it's totally traditional. The bunk guy is spot on, and mm-hmm. sometimes, like you were taught, figure it out. Well, I don't entirely believe in that because there are a lot of shadow techniques within the forms, unless you are told exactly what they are, mm-hmm. you don't know. Like, right. I've seen arm breaks in forms that are very subtle. You're just crossing yeah. your arms. Yeah, what, they're, they're, all over, they're all yeah. over the Tai Chi forms and stuff like that. And, you know, I've, I'm not going to say that, you know, our teacher said, figure it out and this is where you're going to be a master. And that's not to say that he didn't teach us Bunkai. Um, what I meant was he didn't spoon feed like a catalog of techniques like this, this, and this, and this, right, and this. Right, because, right, right. Exactly. You know, yeah. Um, he would say, okay, so here's a drill, quote unquote, using the first three movements of like pinion five. Here's a drill, and this is one way you can use it. And then he would challenge us. Now, how would you use that same set of movements for like if uh, you want to throw them instead? Well, what if you want to use it if they if they didn't punch at you? What if they already had a hold of you? 
and then we're trying to punch you with the other hand. So he would challenge us to think outside of the the like the the what do you call it the the wrapper i was going to say the wrapper to think outside of that box outside of the cracker jack box and to dig right. in there for the toy basically that's kind of what he was doing you know you have to like dig around to find the toy and you know probably even waste a couple of your cracker jacks to find the toy that kind of thing that was kind of the that was kind of what it was and then you know if there were seminars you know um he would always say yeah go to seminars yeah, sure. You know, and and there are some styles where where the teachers will take it very very personally if you go out and and study quote unquote with somebody else. You know, um, is that more of an insecurity with the teacher? You know, or or what? You know what I mean? I I, I don't know. Um, some well, people might well, look now, at it as I a know. loyalty thing. Well, yes and no. Uh, mm-hmm. Good friend of mine, Don Baird, will not allow any outsiders. I have offered to teach for free to give back, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he won't allow it. He's had other people offer to teach free seminars, won't allow it, because mm-hmm. he doesn't want his students to get confused. I, I, I see where he's coming from. It. Yeah, I see where he's coming from, because I'm a firm believer in that if you're going to really study something else, be a black belt or an advanced, you know, uh, very advanced practitioner before you go and study something else. Um, you know, like if one of my yellow belts says, oh, I want to go and study Brazilian jiu-jitsu down the road, I'll probably say, eh, mm, probably not. You can, but it's really going to, it might confuse you when you come back here, and it's going to confuse you when you go over there because you don't know your base yet. You don't have that foundation. So I, I see where, where Grandmaster Baird is coming from. I do. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like that in, in the sense that I believe that you have to be, that you should be a black belt or a, uh, in something before you study something else with the intention of getting good at that other art. Now, if it's something like, if you're just a seminar chaser, that's something entirely different because I've seen people um, become ranked by just chasing seminars. <laughs> That's I've, it. I've seen people get teaching credentials by going to seminars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that that's that's what happens. I mean, you know, the last time I bitched and moaned about um, the Tai Chi in, uh, industry and how some of the teachers can get certified in the course of a weekend, you know, and then go out and uh, this, <laughs> this reminds me of a story that one of my Tai Chi sisters told me, uh, uh, one of my Tai Chi sisters, Kim Ivy, one of my uh, uh, best friend Tai Chi sisters out there. Um, there was somebody that came into her studio the other day and, and said, um, Hey, can I pretty much uh, teach at your teach at your, uh, can I rent space? It, uh, actually, uh, Kim met the woman because it was about renting space during the off time. But instead, it turned out to be, you know, can I teach here? Um, how about you market for me? Um, set up the classes and I can just come teach it. Is that possible? And <laughs> Sifu Kim goes, mm, no, that's not possible. Now, this 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 teacher only had like I don't know not even a year of training, you know. She wanted to teach qigong, 
Um, I have an idea of where she got certified with this type of uh, get, you know, get teacher quick Qigong. Um, and it just, it just kind of destroys the, uh, the integrity. But anyway, <laughs> back to the point I was trying to make. Um, you know, if, if a yellow belt goes and studies with somebody else, they're going to get confused because they're not even going to know how to apply it in that art, much less try to mix it in with our art. You know, and it's it's just going to, like, make a big mishmash and they'll just end up with a bunch of, you know, mixed up chop suey stuff and they're not going to understand anything. So I, I get where where Grandmaster Baird is coming from, but but not even as not even as assistant coaches. He won't allow for a free seminar. He won't allow uh, well, you to teach. Like his... No, he won't allow me to teach. Uh, I've never even seen him offer a seminar. Uh, he'll offer seminars. He's like he'll he'll have like a retreat weekend where mm-hmm. he might be celebrating his his teaching anniversary. Like a couple of years ago, I went to his thirty fifth anniversary of teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he'll have a special dinner for that. But while that's going on, he'll also have a couple of days of his own seminars where he's the only one that teaches. Oh, I see. Okay. See. Hmm. As part of that, but he doesn't—he doesn't, he doesn't uh, stress going out and 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 finding other other means of of having somebody else teach, or he won't bring them in. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I I, I kind of see where he's coming from um, in that aspect. So, and in a way, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, quite that, you know. Uh, restrictive i just i just think that someone should have a good grasp on their first art before they go out um and cross train because you know i've had i've had uh previous students cross train they're they're no longer with us right now but i've had previous students cross train and it completely changes um the their way of movement for both arts so it's never truly going to be you know that art or this art it's kind of like in the middle, and it's neither really, it's none. It's none of either, <laughs> you know, if you know what I'm saying. It's, it's neither one of them, and it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, and then, and then they get frustrated when, when they get uh, uh, corrected because then they get, and it, uh, it just goes on and on. They'll just get frustrated and not like being corrected because that's not how we do it at the other place, quote, you know. So... Yeah, it can get kind of weird. Now, Deborah had um, mentioned something as far as a maybe a last-minute subject. She's like, hey, here's a subject, wipeout. Well, okay, Deb, first off, um, I want you to remember that the term wipeouts is not a universal term. So I'm going to need you to find a different way of explaining that. Um, so if you could type something something in the chat board, that would be great. Um, if you could um, find a different way of explaining that, because each martial art out there has a different uh, version of wipeouts. Wipeout, the term wipeout is not universal. Um, I think it's only uh, either Batokukan or only your dojo that calls it that. So if you could type something in the chat board there, that would be great. And uh, But while she's typing, I'm going to assume that Deborah was talking about um, takedowns and sweeps or 
blitz techniques where you're hitting so hard that the that the person can't help but fall down. <laughs> so I'm just going to assume that that's what she's talking about, but I don't know. How do you talk about sweeps and throws and and blitz attacks? <laughs> How do we begin to approach that, Bob? I don't know. I know. <laughs> it's not like we can say, oh, you know what, this is my favorite sweep, you know, because, you know, it, I mean, we would have to, like, really describe, you know, these takedowns, like, very detailed so any martial artist would be able to pick it out because not everybody knows terms. Like, you know, if I were to say, okay, we can sup here or we can do a kinjit here, no, no one's going to know what that is you know, outside of Southeast Asian martial arts, right? So uh, I don't know. So okay, please well, clarify, Deb. Well, well, let's talk about simplicity then because I'm all about simple. I'm okay, all about so this is what she said. You, you, oh, go ahead. She said self-defense for the street. Well, I guess that's all you had to say. So we don't call them wipeouts. We never called that at my dojo when I was doing karate. Uh, we just called it self-defense. <laughs> so it's not a it's not a universal term, uh, but yeah, let's so let's talk about simplicity because that's really going to go in with self defense for, uh, for the street. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, keep it simple. Now, what what's uh, what's how would you describe keep it simple for our listeners? Uh, d- direct it. Keep it right to the point. Uh, remember when LL sales hit by yeah. by mechanic are very simple. Uh, or, I'm sorry, body manipulations are very simple. You've seen some of my body manipulations. They don't get any, any simpler than, than running my hand over your forehead and pointing to the ground, and you just buckle. Right, right, yeah. And it's, it's supposed or, to be or, simple like or, that. Or my manipulation around your neck where I do what they call a human style and whip it out yeah. and then pull it back and snap it. Mm-hmm. Just keep it real simple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, I agree. It's like uh, it, it it has to be simple for the street folks. You know, none of this. A lot of people go. Uh, now the the people that I'm nothing against MMA. Okay, I love watching MMA, but you know all this. You know the, the rolling around on the ground and the and the you know intricate ways that you can like um, get into this submission to that submission if they counter this submission or if they post over here and stuff like that it's kind of like you know in the street you really wouldn't be dealing with anybody you know countering if you hit them directly first i mean <laughs> you know no rules you know uh, direct to the point you know rip the throat out poke an eye out um keep it simple you know all the i think i think what that would you say bob that um a lot of the uh, that a lot of people are uh, attracted to systems that have a lot of fancy dancy stuff because of the fancy dancy stuff, and they don't realize that the fancy dancy stuff is just drill. Like for example, um, like Kali, you know, a lot of Kali and Eskrima and Arnis has like very like intricate. Sinawali patterns and intricate trapping, counter trapping and snaking maneuvers and stuff like that. And it looks very cool. Oh and yeah, absolutely. It looks very cool. But, you know, 
I've heard of people that that think that, that that's the end all be all, and that you know a simple poke to the eye is well, of, of course it's you know you should probably do more than poke to the eye, but to keep it simple is not good enough. You have to be that you know. It seems to me that a lot of people think, well, you know, if you can't trap and snake and do all this other fancy dancy stuff, then you're not a good fighter. Well, you know, what's your take on that? Well, you know. I, I keep going back to what Burt Richardson said. Because he was teaching a trapping video. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you get lost in the traps and the snakes and the bindings and, and, mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, what do you lose? You lose the hit. Yeah. Because you go from, let's say, trap to backfist. Well, they block right. you. So you cons out to go to hit, they block you. So you get lost. And yeah. you don't concentrate on a hit. Yeah. Screw the trap. Hit them. Exactly. And exactly. as we get older, our hitting comes faster because we can't move like we did 20 years ago. Nope, no matter how much I wish I could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How'd you like to be able to do those nice aerials now? I would. I would. Just, yeah, just, I, I just stood up and went, oh, I would. <laughs> You know, and I told my wife, this is funny you mentioned that. I told my wife this morning, I said, you know, sometimes when I'm, my back's bothering me, I look like I'm George Burns. Put a cigar <laughs> in my mouth, and since I wear glasses and have short hair, you would swear I was George Burns. And you just got to start talking like George Burns. <laughs> hey, that was actually not bad. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It needed to be deeper. It needed to be deeper. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, I tell, I tell my own students, cause like, depending on the, like the other day, I, I made up just some, you know, outside to outside snake, inside to inside, you know, just, I just made up this drill so people could use like both hands so you can go outside to inside, you know, clockwise, counterclockwise, and then same arm, opposite arm, and it changes and stuff like that. And people were getting lost and, and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? This is just a drill. This is just, you know, let's just get your body moving and and let your body feel for reference points. That's it. You don't have to. Rem- I'm not going to test you on this. And I think that's what people were were afraid of. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to test you on this. You know, you've done but, these but movements you, before. But what one thing you learned though, when you do drills, don't do drills. You have to count around me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I just wanted to go. I just wanted to play, and you wanted to count. <laughs> and I couldn't count, and you didn't want to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, count, man, count. <laughs> and it's a drill. Because by the time I reached 10, oh, yeah, I was done. Yeah. I was waiting for Michelle to, like, hold up, like, you know, a, a number, like, at Sesame Street. <laughs> 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 and Maria and Luis say it's the number six. <laughs> and this episode brought to you by the letter B and the number six. <laughs> Grover likes the number six. Dumbbell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, keep it simple, folks, when it comes to the street, because 
you know, all that fancy, Danny, dancey, like vining and trapping and, you know, trap hits, double hits and, and all that other kind of stuff, you know, if you if you want to practice it again, keep it simple uh, because, you know, street defense, you know, street defense isn't that, you know, isn't the, uh, it's not the, the born identity. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I think that's where a lot of people, um, you know, they look at um, the movies that have like really great Kali movement in there and they, um, um, they get so jazzed by it. Like I remember that there was when um, all those, uh, is it the born identity that had all the knife fighting in it? Was it that movie? I think the it whole... was the born identity and they had there also, is... of course, they had uh, uh, Under Siege, the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kali goes back on TV as far back as the 70s when Dan and Santo uh, did a Chips episode. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that there was a big influx of people wanting to get into to Kali after seeing all that. And, um, you know, and, and, and I always have to tell people that, you know, you see that because would you really watch a movie that just had somebody cutting to the eyeballs and then breaking their neck? Would you really just watch that? You know, would you think it was an exciting movie when it's, when something's over in two seconds? Probably not. You want to see action. That's why they're called action movies. (laughs) Yeah. Go figure, right? Yeah. And that, you know, and it was great choreography and just brilliant choreography. And, and, but I, I do remember seeing a big influx of people wanting to learn Kali because of that movie. And then, you know, kind of disappointed when it wouldn't be like that their first day, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like when, when Bruce was in Seattle or was it, yeah, or Oakland, I don't remember where he was. He had a 400-pound bag hanging. Mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. the only one in the school that could move it. Right. You know, they, they, go, right. they go into wushu. You did this. You said, oh, I'd love to learn how to do that kick, and you started studying wushu. Well, mm-hmm. how many people came in and said, I'd love to learn how to do that kick, and they couldn't do it on the first couple weeks. They quit. That That's exactly what happened. You know, after the first month, people started quitting, and, you know, I actually had to ask myself, wow, I'm paying to land on my head. <laughs> I'm paying good money to hurt myself or you know <laughs> but that's what I wanted to teach and I figured you know no pain no gain I guess you know um well, you and know, when it was funny I was uh I I was doing a couple videos with uh, uh Felix Valencia and James Lou himself was shooting B camera mhm and I got taken down on the mat and I got up and I looked at James and said, "You get paid a lot of money to do this." Yeah. Put my cut, damn it. I know, right? I'm on the ground. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, that's funny. So yeah, people keep it keep it simple, um, and and remember though too, folks. It's like you know, especially if you come from a traditional art, um. How do I put this? Don't don't get too overconfident 
Well, this goes to anybody in any art. Don't get too overconfident and think that, you know, your art is the end-all, be-all because how you do things and how it works in your dojo, unless you play with other people that don't fight like people in your dojo, you're really never going to know if it works or not, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm talking out of experience here, you know, like, um, every every dojo has has its own atmosphere, and every dojo has like a flavor. Everyone moves kind of the same way, even though um, even though the techniques are different. At least that's how I've noticed in some of the dojos that I've studied. And everyone kind of moves the same way, even though techniques are different. Body mechanics are a little different. There's a little the different kind of flavor. It's different though when people from other systems play with you, and things just aren't the way that you are used to, right? Um, and then what are you going to do? You know, uh, someone else, you know, might best you in a sparring match, and then, oh, you know, dang. You know, I've seen some people get really, really um, disappointed and even jaded in their own art because, you know, first they think they're all that, and they know all this stuff, and they're a big know-it-all and this and that, and then they get beat by some like mid rank belt in some other art and now they're wondering, you know, what's going on? You know, is it my art? Is it me? Is it uh you know, what is it? And um to those people I wanna say don't get a big head, don't think you know it all. Um and definitely don't go around saying, Well, I know I don't know it all because that's still bragging <laughs> <laughs> Humble bragging. Stop it. <laughs> Just don't get a big head, folks. You know, um, when Grandmaster Kakoi Kenyete, um, he said, you know, if someone challenges you, you know, don't deny the challenge. And he, you know, he's nowadays he's talking about like if, if anyone wants to spar you, either from the same style or from other styles, you know. Go into it with a inquisitive mind. Go into it with the with the intention of learning instead of oh I'm gonna beat this guy. You know, don't let your ego come into it because now you can't learn. If you really want to defend yourself in the street, you gotta work with some progressive resistance. Um, Bob knows that. You know, I know that. Like you know, work with progressive resistance because sparring. You know, unless you're going you know, full board with protective equipment and, and, and going to take each other down and, you know, and something, you know, it's not, it's not going to be like a, you know, Sanbon Kumite type of match. So keep that in mind, folks. All right. Any other last, we only have three minutes here, dude. So do you have any other last subjects you want to talk about? Uh, you know, it's strange. I did not think we were going to last a full two hours. I didn't think so either. I think, you know, the I love how like one subject can like turn into several. <laughs> I like how that works on these open mic shows. Exactly. Well, I really enjoyed it. We got some great insight from Grandmaster Daryl. Yeah. Uh, uh, great, great uh, questions from from of course our our loyal listener Deb Evans. Mm-hmm. Yep, Deb's always uh, Deb's always there. So thanks for listening, Deb, and to whoever Miss Pretty is. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> 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 All right. So let's see. What's next? 
uh, Sunday. That's the 31st. Okay. So, listeners, stay tuned on to the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page to find out who our guest will be for the 31st. It might be it might be that friend of mine that I was talking about, Sifu Bob. So it might oh, be okay. him, but if you um so we'll 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 let's you and I talk in the middle of the week and I'll talk to him and we'll figure it out. <laughs> uh-huh. Alrighty, thank you so much, Brother Bob, for joining me for another fun open mic and thank you listeners. We'll see everyone next week. Talk to everyone next time now. Bye bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.